Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about grenades, Dave. How about some grenades? You were in the military. I love grenades. They're so much fun. Anytime you get to blow stuff up. (laughs) I never gotten to play with one. I never got to play with a fragmentation grenade. Those are the really cool ones because they're the ones that go boom and send little shrat and all the things. But, you know, smoke grenades, um, you know, we helicopters come in to pick us up. I was out doing training with the Marines to you know, learn how to control artillery and, and air. So I won't go into a long story, but it was it was pretty cool. Got to play with the Marines. We were a lot of fun. And then the healers were coming to pick us up. And since I was the squid on the ground with them, you know, the, the, the CO was like, Here, pop, pop the uh, green smoke because, you know, for the landing zone, let them know, one, what direction the wind's coming in green means it's safe. You know, mm. so got to pull the pin, toss it. Never goes as far as you think, but you know. Um, <laughs> oh, it's kind of scary what, if you're dealing with the other kind of grenade. Right. Well, that I mean, that's why I think they one they practice that a lot, and and two you're doing it from behind uh, some sort of protection, so just in case. But yeah, yeah, well, I hear that. Well, I've gotten to play with Marines too, but in a different sense. So the actual grenades I meant was time management grenades. We talked about this a little bit last week about those. <laughs> grenades that they're the fragmentation kind that completely destroy your to-do list oh they really do they they're, they're, they're those are a high explosive grenades you know yeah and, and and the sound they make folks if you're unsure what we're talking about because they make a very distinct sound yeah like when, when bombs are dropping you can they talk about the whistle or, or artillery you hear that well grenades time management grenades have a very distinct sound and it, and it, and it sounds like this You got a minute? (laughs) It's true, though. And we've got to really understand where our time is being fragmented and exploded exploded. um, so that we can manage it. And we talked about a couple um, strategies last time, but uh, you also dropped a little hint about a acronym OBE that I've been waiting this whole week with bated breath. I haven't gotten any sleep. I got bags under my eyes. What's OBE? Well, I would tell you, but it's already become overcome by events. Ah, overcome by events. What does that mean, Dave? I know you're going to tell us, but I'll go ahead and throw you the softball. (laughs) Sometimes you, you plan things out for for a specific situation and then all of a sudden the situation disappears right for whatever reason something else happens events overcome it so you you know we're gonna we're gonna roll out uh, let me give you a perfect example uh my first business was called national wedding registry you never brought that up on the show yeah, you know, um, not a lot of leadership stories out of it um, because there was only two of us. It was my business partner and me. He was a pilot. I flew. I actually went to officer candidate school with. He ended up in my last squadron, 
And we both, so the backstory, we, we both ended up with the same problem. This is 19, late 1980s. And you know, as, as you folks know, I'm from Philadelphia. My practice wife was from Orange County, California. I lived in San Diego at the time where I was based. My business partner is a guy by the name of Grant. Um, he was from uh, Kansas and his fiance, then wife, um, was from Oklahoma, I believe Oklahoma City. Also, he got married in San Diego. So both of us got married where none of our respective families lived. We registered at a local store here. And at the time when you registered at a store, it was literally at that store, not at that chain, at that store. So the this internet, was like in 1947 before the internet, right? Half right. It was before the <laughs> internet. I wasn't even a thought in 47. I'm sure there was a twinkle. Well, I'm sure my dad had a lot of thoughts along those lines because in, in 47, he would have been 15. And we know how 15-year-olds think. 15-year-old men especially. Or, yeah. Or, or aspiring men at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. At, at any rate, so we decided to create a database that people could access nationally so they would register with us and we would, you know, basically fulfill the, the, the registry, right? That was... Uh, so I, this was uh, 19, I think I'm going to say 87. 87 is when I joined the Navy. It was 93 when I got out of the Navy that we were doing this, okay? Um, and that was late fall, early winter when we started it. By summer of 94, all of the major department stores had um, centralized their database, had created a wide area network so they could all talk to each other. So when you registered at one store, it was available at all the stores. So our solution was OBE, Overcome by Events. So how does this play into time management grenades? Well, you're asking me to remember what I said last week about that. (laughs) Right, but I think we're really talking about so much time management grenades is that things happen, right? So you have a plan, and sometimes your plan is overcome by events and that event could be a time management grenade. Well, and you know, I I think one of the things we have to, (laughs) nice job. I think one of the things I like to think about when I, when I think about my priorities is it's really easy for this. You got a minute to become a immediate distraction. And on Stephen Covey's four quadrant priority management system. He talks about things that are urgent and important versus things that are urgent and not important. And sometimes that knock, you got a minute, can be handled in three hours. Whereas what you're doing right now is more important, even though that other thing seems urgent, it can wait. And so I think part of understanding how to manage your time as a leader is to be able to say, Hey, you know what? I know this is super important. I'm in the middle of something, but I'd love to get back to you at three or the option you talked about last week, put the sign up on the door. Right. Or I'll come at a slightly different perspective. One of the things when I used to do a priority moving is um, when people would knock on a door or poke their head in a door, we had, you know, open door policy is I would just ask a very simple question. Can it wait? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, almost always, it can wait. 
And the key to that is having that leadership foundation where the person knows that you're not blowing them off. You're just dealing with your own stuff, right? They, you have that mutual respect and that mutual understanding. Dave wants to listen to me and he's in the middle of something else right now. So I can say, yeah, actually I can wait. I'll come back. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I told my folks is that if I'm talking with somebody, whether the door is open or closed, assume it's a closed door meeting, right? The closed door meant I didn't want people overhearing it. Not this is, yes, it's super important, but the importance of the meeting was never indicated by the door, just the privacy of the meeting. So Mm -hmm. assume it's a closed door meeting and treat it the same way. Because most people, if it's a closed door meeting, are not going to knock unless it's urgent. Mm -hmm. And then when you take that and add to it, can it wait? That that because what happens if if I just said to people, you know, assume it's a closed door meeting, whether doors open or closed, and then somebody, you know, knock, knock, knock. Yes. Uh, Well, we've got the situation and I didn't say can it wait and I jumped in and handle it. What I'm really doing is now countermanding myself. Right. And that becomes a credibility issue. Yep. That actually becomes counterproductive to persuasion. And and it's consistency and communication. I remember when we were little, we used to always ask mom, mom, can we have it? And she, like if she's on the phone and she said, okay, we're going to have a family meeting. Here's the scoop. If you ask me when I'm on the phone, the answer is always no. And like she created that standard and that understanding with us. So we would ask the questions differently, like, mom, is it a problem if I have a cookie? Because then the answer is no, and we're good. But that was us being sly. (laughs) The key here is to have a standard of communication with your team. So in your case, you're saying, if I'm sitting there talking to somebody, just assume it's I'm unavailable and find something else to, you know, come back another time, drop me an email, hit me with an IM, whatever. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Having that understanding. The other way I've heard and seen and used for myself, have you ever been to one of those churrascarias, the Brazilian steakhouse? Actually, no. There's one one near the sports arena where we go watch the goals play and we just haven't, every time we're like, oh, we should go there. And then we never do. Make it happen. Because there are people who walk around with swords of meat. If you're a vegetarian, you may not like this, though they do have an amazing salad bar. But anyway, there are servers that walk around with swords full of meat. And on everybody's place setting, there is a little card or a little something that has a red side and a green side. And if your green side is up, the servers know, I want me some meat. And they come around and they offer you whatever they have, whether it's pork or chicken or barbecue or filet or whatever. If you're, if you're on the red and you're having the meat sweats, they leave you alone. And that's a standard of interaction that you have. And I've seen this used in offices. I walked through an office one time going back to their training room and all these cubicles in this one area had a red light on the top. And some of them were on and some of them were off. And I was like, what's going on with the red lights? It was their IT help desk and people would interrupt them all the time. If they're IMing with somebody, if they're emailing or they're on the phone or they're in person, there's so many different ways to communicate that when you walk up to somebody's cube, you don't know if they're busy or not. But if you see that red light, you know, they're occupied with somebody else. I go to one without a red light. 
So having that kind of standard, whatever works for you and your team can really help you understand if you see the red light, the question you ask yourself, can this wait? Let me go find them later. I'm just stuck that there's companies with red light districts that just- <laughs> And it's the IT people too. <laughs> yeah, who knew they're so popular and why? Well, I know why, because we need them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also just patient, like the, the skewers of meat. It's kind of like a dim sum place where they walk around with the carts, only it's with like meat, which is really oh. just speaking to me. Oh, oh, it's, and, and it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm salivating all over my microphone now. Thank so you hungry. very much. Yeah, that's gross. I, I'm glad everybody can't see the video. <laughs> it's a good thing that foamy thing is on. You could, you could change that out. Yeah, yeah, I have to wash it. All right, so um, God, uh, so this is OBE, right? I, I had a thought pop into my head pre-steakhouse, and now I have no idea. This is why I, I take notes because once we start talking about steak, I I, I lose everything. Yeah. Um, oh God, no, my brain hurts. So we've talked about we talked last week about the sign-up sheet on the door. If you don't know what we're talking about, folks, go listen to last week's episode. Well worth listening to. It's a fun um, one. Yeah, it is. It is. Unlike this one, which is boring, dry. Oh, I love this one. We talked about meat. At least I did. Yes. I, I know how much you love meat. Well, I don't and know Marines. They're not one and the same in your book? Touche. Okay. <laughs> I mean that in the most respectful way possible. Look, trust me. I know Marines. They love the fact that you mean it that way. At, at any rate... um, so, so we, we have the sign up sheet. We have the can it wait. We yep. have, um, well, you had another line that you liked. Uh, I'm blanking on it now. Not, uh, mine was can it wait. Yours is, is this important? Right. Something like that. Uh, oh, no, you, you just assume I, I'll get back to you later. Something like that. Right. Yeah. Just being able to say, I know this is important. I'm in the middle of something now. Can I come back? Oh, the light bulb's going off over his little bald head. Well, he actually, she actually knew what this meant. I, my, wow, that's I'm, I'm just so impressed. Um, critical to all of this, folks. Critical to all of this. I'm going to say it a third time. Critical like hearing, to all of this. Right now, I'm not going to say it a third time because and did. I need mean, you do it. Yeah. You need to create a culture so that if it is important, people are not afraid to interrupt you. In other words, mm -hmm. and, and here's, here's my key on this. They think it's important enough to interrupt whether you think it is or not, deal with their issue, or in a very calm way, explain to them why it's not time critical or explore, because you may be missing something. Right? I've had people I trust, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't, why can't this wait till two o'clock when I'm free? Because blah, 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 oh, Oh, okay. Let me deal with that now, right? You don't want to just shut the door on them, right? If if you can't trust them to interrupt you at the appropriate time, you have the wrong team members or you're creating the wrong culture. And and if they can't trust you that you're not going to blow up at them when they do say, excuse me, this really is important. And right. it's all about communication and having that foundation of trust where I respect your time and you respect mine. And this is another thing we're talking about leading by example. You have to be able to allow your team members to avoid it when you're the grenade too. 
You know, when you're saying, hey, I got to talk to you, you have to be okay with them saying, hey, can this wait? And in fact, and this is, it's fun, you brought up a really, really, really important point here that, right, because no matter how often, I, I, I had a client, uh, I, so owner of a construction company, and he used to say all the time, I would, I, I would tell my people, this is just a suggestion. And it didn't matter how many times he said it. His team thought it was an order, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're the boss, right? And not a term I use easily and frequently because the connotation is there. And it still is a perception there in terms of hierarchical structure and all of that. Because you're the leader, because you're the boss, no matter how you soft pedal things, there are going to be people who think, no, I need to get this done, right? So it's frequently, what are you working on right now? Okay, I've got something I need you to do after you're done, mm-hmm. right? It's not a priority. Or when can you squeeze this in? Oh, I can do it right away. No, 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 no. I don't need it right away. I don't want to interrupt your workload. You have to be willing to have that conversation right. because many eventually they'll get it, Mm-hmm. but especially in the beginning, yeah. they won't. It totally takes time. And, and you know, you think about all the bosses you've had in your life. They've all been different. And so people come to a job, to a project, to a team with very different expectations of how I interact with my boss based on the history they have. And let's face it, not all leaders are super great and listening and wanting you to like help out and be critical thinking and stuff. And so you do need to create that foundation with your team where you can, um, you can, they trust to take part and to really participate in a, as a leader themselves. It's funny. I remember one of the first job interviews I went on right after getting out of the Navy. So we started the national wedding registry I referred to earlier and, and, and that rolled up and now I had to look for a job about a year later. And it was uh, actually most, our, many of our listeners will know the company. It's not the same owners. They, they were sold nationally, um, but they make uh, imprints on pens. I won't say the company name, but they're, they're, they're a big size company. You know, you get those pens and have your company name and logo on there. They were, they were based here in San Diego. So father and son who owned it. And they were looking for a general manager and the son said to me, he goes, well, how do you motivate people? You know, do you have any experience leading people outside of the military? I said, no, I'm whatever, 32, whatever at the time. And my professional career has been in the military, but it's, it's no different. He goes, sure it is. In the military, you just have to threaten to throw people in, in, in the brig. I'm like, no, it's not. Yes, it's exactly how it works. Right. So, I got a sense real fast what his leadership style was like, mm-hmm. you know, which is threaten, cajole, you know, that doesn't work, folks. Not in the long term. Well, not even in the short term. You get them. That, that's how you get minimum performance. Right. Not, that's how you get short term compliance. Right. You will get the minimum performance to keep from getting their ass chewed and they'll get away with whatever they can get away with because they have no respect for you whatsoever. Right. Right. So that's the key is building that foundation of trust and, uh, and building that. And another thing I like to say, we um, alluded to this last week, but when somebody does come in to knock and say, do you have a minute? Another thing I like to talk to them about is what you talked about last week, come with solutions. 
Yes. When you come with a question, come with some possible solutions. They may not be the one we land on. They may not be the right one, but I want you to think about how might we be able to solve this because your perspective is important. And, and, and that's awesome. And when you have that conversation after they present their solution, right? So, you know, okay, so what do you think we should be doing? Well, I think we should tell me how you came by that. Mm-hmm. I want to know what their thought process is right. either way, right? Because if they came up with a solution that I didn't even think about, I want to know what they were thinking about, right? And obviously, those are your potential future rock stars, right? Mm-hmm. Those are people you put the gold star on, you start going, okay, let me start looking at this one. If they come to you with some harebrained off the wall that makes no sense, I want to know about that too, because I, then I want to go, well, well, did you consider this? How are you? Gonna, how, how, how is this going to handle it, right? You want to um, Socratically ask them questions that hopefully guide them to show the error with their solution and maybe help develop a new one. And by the way, that's also a great litmus test, right? Because if they're not picking up what you're putting down, well, that's a different color star you give them. And, you know, you understand what their potential is and that's fine. You just need to know people's strengths, but this is how you find out. Right. Well, and exactly. And and like we talked about last week, the most important thing is slowing down, having the conversation, asking the questions rather than just solving the problem. It's, it takes a little more time, but it, it solves three needs that people have. So I always like to think about how do I build that foundation of trust? And if people feel like they have these three things from me, they're probably going to be on a good page. We're going to be on a good foundational basis to be able to say, Hey, can this wait? Hey, tell me your thinking. Hey, here's, you know, I'd love to know why you came up with that. And those three things, people need respect. People want to feel valued because they're bringing a lot of experience and knowledge to the table. And they want to feel like they have a little bit of control in the situation, which means I get to take part. I get to be heard. I get to share my solutions. And when we give those three things, people want to participate with us. They are motivated to be on the same page and to communicate and to try and to take those risks. And we're much more likely to have a strong team member who's a leader in and of themselves and who cannot be a time management grenade than we are otherwise. And, you know, to Anne's point, and I think she's brilliant here, and I take exception with one thing, and Anne, remind me, since you're the one taking notes, to come back to, it's going to take you more time, okay? I want to circle back to that point. Okay. Because that's the only thing I take exception with. Um, but, but to Anne's point, think about, folks, your personal experience, and, and which of these two people do you want to be around? The person who's constantly giving you advice and telling you what to do, or the person who's asking your advice and seeking your, your counsel? And, and having a conversation with you rather than a lecture. Right. I guarantee you, guarantee it's this, it's the latter, right? The person who's constantly telling us what to do as Ann and I are doing right now. <laughs> no wonder nobody's listening. Right. Well, we, we would love to have that conversation with you folks. So if you do want to be part of the conversation, let us know. We'd love to get you on and, and uh, listen to your perspective and, and ask and hear your stories. But Enough of that shameless plug that I just happened to work in by accident. Um, but the reality is, right, we want to hang out with people who, who are interested in us, not interested in us in, in our soliciting our opinions, not in molding us and making us do what they want to do. Now, time. You mentioned a minute ago that it's going to take more time. If you look at it in the short term, you're absolutely right, right? 
I it's faster for me right now this second to give you the answer than it is to painfully pull out the right answer from you. But if I do it enough over time, I will more than buy back that time in the long run when you become self-sufficient. A hundred percent. I always say it's an investment. That patience now is an investment in the relationship, in that the development of that team member and in their participation down the road. Right. That's this. When you do that first, that's that groundwork that will allow you to have the time to work on your strategic objectives later. Because your team will be working on their own. The day-to-day stuff is going to happen. And all of a sudden, you're going to go like, what do I do with myself? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and I think it it takes a level of self-exploration, right? When I teach emotional intelligence, I talk about windows and mirrors. And so often as leaders, subpar leaders, look out the window and say, what are you doing wrong? What are you doing wrong? And it's really important when things aren't going well with your team and you're spending a lot of time dealing with these time management grenades, it's really important to close the window and look in the mirror and say, what can I do differently? How can I communicate differently? How can I make people feel valued, make them feel like they have some say in all of this in order to get better results? Because that's all I can control is me. Right. And I say this all the time. So uh, two, two things that dovetail exactly with that one Failure is the leaders, success is the teams. That's number one. So if things aren't going right, it's something me, I, as the leader, can change in me. Not in you, in me. Because when I change how I communicate, when I change how I show up, then the team has no choice but to react differently to the different me. So that's how I affect the team's behavior, by changing mine. So... um, that, that is absolutely critical. Um, and I lost a second thing again. I keep doing that today. I'm misplacing stuff. <laughs> I think you misplaced your brain. I, I only need half of it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's so, so important that when we, we, we take responsibility for our own actions and we take responsibility for the failures we let the team glory in the success. Right. And this is especially difficult to look at your own behavior when you're dealing with somebody who's very different than you, who you deem as difficult based on the way that you typically interact with the world. But it really is important to look at yourself and have the courage to do that. That's what yeah. great leaders do. I found it. Good. I just misplaced it. It was mis- <laughs> I figured if I kept talking, you'd find it. Yeah, it usually works that way. Um, you know, but so the second thing I like to tell people all the time, and I, I do this in my training classes a lot, I always ask, I said, who's responsible for communicating, you or your team member? And almost always the answer is both. Mm-hmm. And while is sure, the team member has a responsibility to try to understand, and I don't deny that. As a leader, our perspective has to always be, it's my job to communicate clearly. And if there's a communication failure, it's a hundred percent on me. And if I do that, I will get better and better at communicating. If I allow myself to say, Oh, they didn't hear me correctly. And it's on them. I will never improve. You're never going to get there. And, right. and it goes back, you know, cause a lot, I can hear a lot of people right now saying, but they don't listen. That's on them. And it's like, okay, how are you 
not upholding those three needs, people's need for respect, people's need for to feel valued and people's needs for control. Because usually if we uphold those three things, people are going to listen. They're going to be motivated to be part of this team rather than feel like they're not being taken into account. So it's by looking at those things a little bit deeper and how can I uphold those things to get them to listen so they want to listen. And again, I'll just go back to your personal lives and the people you've met who allow you to, you know, do those things that Ann was just talking about, right? those three things and how you react to them. I promise you, your team members reacting the same way. All about think, building that foundation. Well, have we covered that? Have we smothered that grenade? I think we, you jumped on that grenade hardcore. Good thing it didn't go off. I forgot to pull the pin. Thank you. You're welcome. That, that'd have been painful. It was just a stink grenade. That's the only kind I've thrown. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we want to jump on those grenades, but the reality is we just want to toss them back to them and say, here, what do you think? Well, and that's, that's the key, right? Is, is what's urgent and important and what's urgent and not important right now. Sometimes they're not even urgent. Well, it feels urgent because they're at your door. Right. Exactly. But, but that's why that's slow down because sometimes they're not even urgent, right? It's just what's in front of them at the moment. Right. It's slowing down and saying, what's the current situation? Can this wait? Cause this is more important right now. Awesome. Well, another great show. Folks, if you got some stories along these lines, or like like we said, I alluded to a minute ago, you go, you know what? I'd love to share this with the audience. Let us know. We'd love to have you on. Yeah, or a topic that you'd like us to cover too. We're open. All the time. Awesome. All right, and until next week. All right, Dave, I'm going to go get some steak. You're making me hungry. I know, right? That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.